I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. All right, we're ready to dig into the word tonight. Let's lean into what God has to speak to us tonight. But before I get started, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for every woman that is in this place tonight. God, I thank you for her heart. I thank you that, Lord, you see her right where she's at. You know, even the season that she is in right now, we don't know and many times we can't grasp maybe what the girl is going through is that's sitting next to us. But Father, you see all, nothing escapes you. We thank you that we serve a God that's ever present you're always with us. You never leave us and, or nor you forsake us. And sometimes we feel forsaken and sometimes we feel left. But God, your word promises that you don't. And so sweet Holy Spirit, we lean into you tonight. We need you. We don't need to be entertained. We don't need just another girl's night. But God, we need an encounter with you, God. For the next season that we're approaching in our life, God, we need clear direction. We need to hear clearer than we've ever heard before. So Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Father, speak to us through your word tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're able to take this one word and divide it among every hearing ear. I may not say it from this pulpit, but Holy Spirit, while I'm speaking, speak to your daughters tonight in this season that she's in. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agreed with that, everybody said, amen. amen. Man, I don't know how many of you were here this morning or if you even attend church, but we had an incredible morning this morning. We had our, amen. <laughs> We had our youth ministry uh, lead the message this morning and our youth team uh, do the praise and worship. And it was just so sweet. And, I, and as I knew what I was preaching on tonight, and I was just so thankful that we serve a generational God. I mean, the stuff that you've walked through, the stuff that you've battled past, you pushed past, it wasn't just for you, but it was for the generation behind you. It was for your daughter, your granddaughter. It was for that next generation. You don't even know why you fought the battles that you fought, but God brought you through. Aren't you glad that we serve a generational God? And you know, as I was thinking about the generations that are in the word of God, there's three that's mentioned uh, often. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And if you think about Abraham, that first generation, he received everything that he got from God. He had nothing, but he received everything that he got from God through prayer and through the altar and sacrifice. Abraham knew what it was to have an altar and sacrifice. That next generation we know is Isaac, his son. The word says in Genesis 25.5, and Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Abraham got, Isaac got everything that he had by inheritance. And sometimes the problem is with inheritance that you don't understand the price that was paid for you to get what you just inherited. You didn't have to walk the walk. You didn't have to pay the price. It was kind of handed to you on a silver platter. And then of course, there's the God of Jacob, but I mean, then there's Jacob, but we're not going into that. But I wanna pick this, uh, this one story out of the Bible in Genesis 26, because I think it's interesting because Abraham left everything that he had to Isaac. He was inheriting some stuff 
from his father and the enemy came in to steal it. And I just wanna read this portion of scripture in verse 15, it says, now all the wells which his father, Isaac's father, Abraham, had dug in the days, the Philistine had closed and filled with earth. And I'm gonna skip down to verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them, what did he get? He gave the wells the same names which his father had called them. Rather than allowing the enemy to steal his inheritance, Isaac got the shovel out. He began to redig the wells. He began to fight for his inheritance. He got his shovel ready. Everybody on your table, you have your own personal shovel. <laughs> Come on, you might wanna get it out. You may wanna have sword fights during the message, I don't know, with our, with our shovels. But it, listen, honey, it's time to get your shovel ready. I love this portion of scripture. It says he reopened some wells. I feel like there's some wells that need to be reopened. As I was praying about this message, I really felt the spirit of the Lord say this to me. And I just wanna read it the way that he downloaded it to me. He said, I'm gonna reopen some wells. I'm gonna uncover some wells that have been hidden. And as you begin to redig the wells and get the junk out, get the sin out, there is a fresh, refreshing spring of living water. There have been some well stoppers over your wells. They've been assigned over your wells, but I'm about to remove that resistance and where you were once resisted, now there's going to be a revival. You gotta dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little deeper. Turn to the girl sitting next to you and say, it's time to dig a little deeper. Get your shovel ready, honey. It's time to dig a little deeper. Let's dig into everything that God has for us in this season. Nothing wasted. The Philistines covered over the wells that Abraham had dug. They covered over them. Listen, digging a well back in those days, it, it didn't come easy. They didn't have the equipment that they do today that might make that job a little bit easier. That was a hard, hard task. It was hard labor for them to dig that well. In fact, a well on a piece of property in, the, in that area was a huge asset. It's almost like striking oil. It was a huge deal to have water in the middle of like this desert terrain. And it, it kind of meant a, a sign of ownership of that, a claim of ownership on that property. And here comes the Philistines and they are challenging the ownership of that land. It's interesting that they didn't do it when Abraham was alive. Because that scripture we just read, it said they waited till Abraham died. And I got to thinking about that, wonder why they waited till Abraham died. I think they didn't want the conflict with Abraham because Abraham's the one that paid the price for that well. He, he's the one that paid the cost to digging that well. He knew what it was to sacrifice to get those things. And when he dug that well, it wasn't just for him, it was for his family and it was for his children and his children's children. It was their inheritance. And I don't believe the enemy was messing with them. He didn't want to mess with him, but he thought, oh, there's a new generation coming up. Isaac, maybe he won't fight for this well. And so they begin to cover the well over. And I couldn't help but wonder, 
if the enemy isn't waiting for a generation to die off, a generation that has paid a price, the committed, they understand what it is to do spiritual battle. They know what it is to get in your prayer closet and do spiritual warfare and press in and dig in to receive everything that they get from God. The ones that understand the term to burn the midnight oil in prayer, there's some older generation that knows what that means, to burn the midnight oil in prayer. And I just wonder if the enemy isn't waiting for some of those matriarch and patriarchs to die off because he sees a generation, maybe a lazy generation arising that may not pick up their shovel and may not dig and keep the wells open and not pay the price. In Judges 2.10, it says this, when all the, gener they read that this morning, when all the generations had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them that did not know the Lord nor the work. They didn't know the work. They didn't understand the work, the cost, the price that had been paid. I believe that this scripture is one of the saddest scriptures in the word of God. They didn't know the price. They didn't know the cost. To have such a strong foundation of faith to come out of a household of faith and your children and your grandchildren don't even value it, don't even understand the price that was paid for your family to walk in the things that they have walked in. A generation that rather than get the shovel to dig into the promises of God and dig a little deeper and gain some victory in some areas rather than having a shovel to keep the wells open that their fathers and their grandfathers and, their, and I'm not just talking about your genes, your, but I'm also talking spiritually. And we don't keep those wells open so we, there's a generation that maybe doesn't have their shovel out to dig but maybe rather to fill in those wells that other generations have dug at a great cost because they undervalued the price that was paid for those wells. And Abraham, they, they covered over the wells of Abraham and Isaac they underestimated Isaac because <laughs> Isaac got his shovel and he said, no, 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 no. You will not steal my inheritance. I am going to redig that well. And I love that part. He says that he named those wells. He reestablished the names that his father Abraham had given those wells. He didn't try to rename them. He could have named it the Isaac well, right? <laughs> no, he named him the same names that his father named them because to name a well, it means that you discovered that well and you paid a price for that well. And it was like reestablishing and reaffirming what his father had done. And for my generation, I really feel this, and I'm sorry, I feel a little bit passionate about this, but for my generation, see, even the shovel's helping me preach. Stay up here. <laughs> For my generation, I feel like there has been a pressure to rename some wells, to rename the spiritual atmosphere of the church in time in a few years past. And we've seen this, it's called the seeker friendly church, right? 
to rename a well, to rename the church, to rename the spiritual atmosphere of the church, to seeker-friendly church. Because, well, the healing ministry, that's a little bit too much. We need to tone that down a little bit. Or the message of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, well, we probably better not go there. We better tone that down a little bit. Oh, the, the message on the faith movement. Oh, the name it and claim it. We better tone that down because we, we may run some people off. So we're, we've turned into a seeker-friendly church many times, but I am so happy that there has been a group of pastors that have risen up and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're gonna reopen those wells because what we have found is that there is no more life-giving water, no more life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit in our churches. And we've got some real issues. We have people that are coming in that need a touch from the Lord, that they need to be healed. We have people in our church that can't seem to break out of depression, that can't seem to break out of anxiety. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our church. We need a move of His Spirit. And there's been some pastors that have said, no, we're gonna redig some wells. And I have to say, World Harvest as a church, we are redigging some wells. We're not gonna allow the enemy to come in and fill in the wells. We're not gonna allow him to rename those things that other generations have paid and fought for, for us to have freedom in the spirit, amen? Turn to the girl next to you and say, I'm free in the spirit in Jesus' name. I am free in the spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So with the time I have left, I wanna talk about three wells that I believe we need to reopen and we need to dig. We need to go a little bit deeper. And the first well I wanna talk about tonight is worship. We need to re-dig the well and go deeper in our intimate worship with our Father God. We've gotta get our shovel out and re-engage the presence of the Lord like we've never re-engaged His presence before, amen? To experience more of Him, to be hungry for Him. Could you imagine a house full of people, a church full of people that when they came in, they had their shovels out and said, okay, worship team, let's worship. We're ready to dig into the presence of the Lord. We're ready to go deeper into His presence. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine coming into church? Okay, pastor, bring the word of God. We're hungry. We wanna, we wanna dig in and receive everything that he has for us. Could you imagine that? I love the story in the book of Acts, Acts 2. The great outpouring is known as the great outpouring. Come on, y'all are familiar with Acts 2. If not, you need to go home and read it, Acts 2. It's the great outpouring. It's where a group of people shut themselves up in the upper room and they prayed for 50 days and for 50 nights and then there was a suddenly. And yet, guess what? They all received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That outpouring, that's what I'm talking about. And not only that, not only was there this great outpouring, but now it said that there was many signs and wonders and healings and the church grew at an exponential rate. There was a group of college students in the 1900s that were, was from Topeka, Kansas. And they began to do a study on Acts 2. 
and they were reading it and they began to get hungry. And, and these students asked their professor, how can we experience that today? Is that even possible to experience that kind of revival like they experienced in the upper room? And the professor said, you know, I don't know, but guess what? Let's just try it. Let's do what they did. Let's just lock ourselves up and let's begin to pray and let's press into the presence of God. And so they did that. They began to pray and they fasted and they prayed and they dug some wells. They got their shovels ready and they dug some wells in their prayer and in their fasting. And they begin to say, Lord, purify our heart. There's some of us, our wells are so filled up with junk, so filled up with dirt, so filled up with mud. We gotta learn to redig that well. We gotta get the junk out because there's clean living water beneath. And this group of college students pressed in. And then there was a suddenly. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And this revival broke out in the midst of this college students. And I mean, we have a generational God. I love that. It started with the young people. There was a man there by the name of William Seymour that was so touched and so moved by that that he said, I've got to take this where I'm from. He lived in Los Angeles, California, and he took it to Los Angeles, California and began to teach about the book of Acts and the great outpouring. He began to redig that well. Come on, that, that's what our forefather, that's what they did in the book of Acts. They were digging a well and it wasn't just for them, but it's for us today. That's what they did in Topeka, Kansas. They, re, they redug that well. And that's what they did in Los Angeles, California. And it's known as the Azusa Street Revival. Come on, anybody heard of that? <laughs> that's our roots. That's our foundation. Even in the church today is in the, the uh, Azusa Street Revival. And the enemy would love nothing more than to hand us our shovels. Not so that we can dig in a little bit deeper, but so that we would begin to use it as a backhoe and begin to fill in those wells that previous generations had dug for and, and fought for. Because, oh, it's old fashioned. It's out of touch. Settle for the muddy waters. Settle, settle for the powerless Pentecost. Settle for more deserts than downpours. Settle for more perversion than power. Settle for more compromise than conviction. Where is the conviction? Where is the conviction? We used to be convicted about certain things, right? We used to feel that conviction. But so many of us have lost the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's why I love the time of fasting because it gets me on my knees and I'm like, Lord, Lord, I just gotta get the junk out. I've gotta get the mud out so that I can get back into the life giving waters of the Holy Spirit, the pure living waters of the Holy Spirit. So it's so powerful to have our worship where it brings us to our knees. Lord God, get this stuff out of me. I don't want it. I need the fresh move of your spirit in Jesus name. So many of us, we're renaming some wells. There's these things that we used to call sin, but we don't call it sin anymore. 
There's a generation that doesn't call sin, sin anymore. And that's just what the older people used to call it. The old generation before, they called it sin. But now that we're in 2021, come on, it's just, you're old fashioned, you're out of touch. Come on, we don't wanna rename some wells. We gotta call the wells what they were way back in the Bible days. If the Bible says it's sin, guess what? It's sin today. We're not redigging new wells. There's some old wells that have to be redug. And we don't wanna rename those wells. David said in Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, that needs to be our heart's cry in our worship. When we begin to redig the well of our worship, God created us a clean heart. The second well that I think we need to redig and reestablish in our life is the well of sacrifice. We don't like to talk about sacrifice. We don't want anything to cost us anything. Abraham understood sacrifice. He built seven altars in his lifetime. You could follow the tracks of Abraham because everywhere, every new place that he moved, he built a new altar because it was so central of who he was. The altar in sacrifice. Your relationship, our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, our Christianity has got to be more than just, God, what can you do for me? God, how can you bless me? God, how can you establish me? God, how can you, you, how can you establish my ministry? How can you establish this next day? No, no, our Christian walk has got to be more than that. Our Christianity's gotta mean more than one day out of seven. It's gotta mean more to us than just coming into the house of the Lord and being drinking our latte and praising God. It's gotta mean more to us than that. We've gotta be a people that are hungry for his presence, that are ready to dig down into the things that he has for us, amen? My mom, and she's not able to be here tonight because she's caregiving for my dad, but my mom and my aunt Anita that's here and my aunt Wilma, Teresa Allen, I mean, there's a group of elderly women that are here and I would dare to say that that generation knew what it was to get everything that they got from prayer in their prayer closet. You got what you got through prayer. Do you remember those days where you got everything that you wanted? that you believe God through in prayer. When they had needs, their first response was to drop to their knees and pray. I had dinner with my Aunt Wilma and Aunt Anita the other night and my Aunt Wilma was talking about her and my Uncle Rex, they're missionaries and that's how they serve their life. Of course, my Uncle Rex has passed away and he's been gone for over a year now, but she was talking about that God would ask them many times to go places and they didn't have the finances to get there. And they would have to believe God and God would tell them to go somewhere and they would just pack up their RV. You know what, it costs a lot of money to fill up an RV. <laughs> They're not cheap to travel in. And, but that saved them hotel expenses. 
So they would pack up their RV and go. And I, she said one time they left and they didn't have very much gas in their, in their RV. And they're like, God, I don't know how we're gonna get to where we're going, but we're gonna sacrifice and we're gonna go anyway in obedience to you. Come on, some of us wouldn't even understand that kind of sacrifice today. If it's just one step down from first class, now that's my sacrifice. Come on, that's me, right? I'm just like, okay, Lord, if you want me to sacrifice, it's just like one step down from first class. We don't understand what it is to sacrifice in ministry like they did in days of old. Oh, the price that they paid to bring, to do what God, they felt like God had called them to do. Sure enough, they hit the road and they got a phone call just about 10 miles outside of town. And my mom said, hey, I just feel like God is telling me to bring you a check and I gotta do it right now. You cannot leave town until I bring it to you. And they said, hey, we're 10 minutes out of town. She said, that's okay, I'm gonna come find you. I'm gonna come to where you are and give you this check. And God did that for them time and time and time and time again. Oh, the sacrifice to be able to live at that level. Smith Wigglesworth said this whenever he was asked to come and minister at a church and it was a smaller church and the pastor said, Smith Wigglesworth, I really want you to come minister and it's just a small congregation so it's not gonna take much out of you. And Smith Wigglesworth said this, he said, if it doesn't take much out of me, you're not gonna get much out of it. It's cost sacrifice. We want a stronger anointing in our life more than we have today. Sacrifice. The foundation that Brad and I stand on today, even in our family, we didn't get here by ourselves. My mama, my grandpa, my, my aunt, my mom, my dad, they, they dug a well. I dare to say that you have a well in your family that mama, grandmama, great-grandma, maybe some of you don't even know who that generation was that cried out, that burned the midnight oil in prayer in their prayer closet. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, I don't even really have anybody in my family that even has any inkling of spirituality. I am all that there is. Guess what, baby, you are digging a well. And your children and your grandchildren are gonna be able to drink from that well. And there's something so much better than just having a great uh, genealogy code, you know, where all your family tree looks amazing and they're all spiritual. Guess what? Maybe that's not your history, but guess what? There is a spiritual genealogy code that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's the tree you can connect into. But the foundation that we stand on, even as World Harvest Church, the foundation that we're saying, we didn't get here by ourselves. There has been prayers that have been prayed and people that have gotten in their prayer closet and said, we need a word church in Enid, Oklahoma to be established. And they were praying and interceding and interceding in prayer. And there's been other word churches that have been established in Enid that for one reason or another, it wasn't able to make it, maybe through moral failure or other things or struggles. And, and it was just so much. And I understand, and I don't stand up here and say, oh, well, we didn't ever have to deal with that. We are here where we're at today because of the price that they paid. 
And we could have been just another statistic just as well. But by the grace of God, it's nothing special we did, it's just by the grace of God. But we know the foundation that we have is because of what others have done before us. That's what it is to pioneer some things in the spirit. When you begin to redig some wells and reopen some wells in your family's life, and you begin to pray and press past some things, come on, it's like you are pioneering some things in the spirit for your family. When I drop to my knees and I intercede and I pray, I'm not just doing it for me, I'm doing it for Brooke and Kinsley and Brittany and, and Lenny and Brandon and Bryce and Hadley and Caden and our church family. Come on, we are digging some spiritual wells. Man, just remember that. You are digging some spiritual wells for your family. And they are going to be able to walk in a, in a higher level because of the, the victories that you have fought and you have won. And I see it so much like this, that those that pioneer before us, it's like a guy, like if you could just see this overgrown uh, with bushes and all, that there's a man in front of you with the machete that's whacking back all of the trees and all of the branches and all of the debris from off the path. And now you get an easy walk through that path. Thank God for those that pioneer in the spirit before us, amen. Another way that I see it, and, I, and that's what the ladder is for, I just kind of seen it like this and this afternoon and I thought, I don't know if this is gonna work, but I think it is. But like my grandma and my grandfather and the things that they fought and prayed for, they, with everything that they had, it brought them to a certain level. And the exciting part is, is that my aunt Anita and my family, they didn't have to start off back down here. You know what their kids got to do? They got to start off at the same level that grandma and grandpa fought and labored and prayed and they dug that well by the spirit. Brad and I, we got to start off, my mom and dad, they built a well and they fought and they prayed and they sacrificed. And now we get to stand on the same level that they did. Now, Brittany, come here. I hope this goes well. <laughs> Maybe we should have had some couch people back here. No, I don't know. Brittany, guess what? Honor this. Honor this. Your grandma, your grandfather, my grandma, my grandfather, they paid a great price for this foundation. Don't take it for granted. It came at a great cost, deep cost. Now guess what? We fought and we've struggled and we've come up. Guess what, Brittany? You don't have to fight through all that. You don't have to, you get to come right here. <laughs> but baby, Go on. <laughs> okay, we better get down. <laughs> I'm really scared. No, I'm just like, do you get it? Oh, 
thank you, Jesus, for those that have pioneered before us. My class thought is this, the last well, and I know I've gone long and I'm sorry. The third well I feel like we need to redig in this season is our well of faith, the well of faith. In Luke 18, eight, it says, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? He's saying when Jesus comes back, will he really find faith anymore in the earth? Or will it be a message that's gone away? Where are those that will redig that well? Where are those that will redig the faith message well? Will they, will we still be talking about faith? The faith movement? Will we still be talking about the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Will we? still be talking about healing, miracles, signs, and wonders? Will we be preaching that anymore? You know, this is something that my husband and I even asked not too long ago, Chip Brim was here, and some of you know who he is, and, and just the history of all of that. And, and we, uh, we were talking to him and we said, who is the next person that this next new generation that's talking about faith, that's the faith message. Who is it? He's like, man, well, I don't know. That's something that we've been laboring over. And he's very connected with those that teach about faith. And I'm not even going to say names because you'd probably just check out because you're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. But I just want to say this. There is a well that they dug. There's some wells that have been dug that we have to redig that well. Grab your shovel. Grab your shovel. And say, I'm gonna redig every well that God wants me to redig. I'm gonna dig down deep enough to get to the life giving water of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to dig. I got my, 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 my shovel ready. I've got my shovel ready. How do we redig the well of faith? We gotta get the fear out. We gotta get the doubt out. We've gotta get the unbelief out. We've gotta redig the well. Our father of faith in Romans 4, Abraham, it said, and Abraham never waited, wavered in believing God in fact, his faith grew stronger and it brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteousness, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. He dug a well that wasn't just for his benefit. It was for the generations to come after him. Because it goes on and it says this, it was recorded for our benefit too. That well that Abraham dug wasn't just for his benefit, but it's for our benefit too. Where are those that believe God at his word? Where are those that call those things that be not as though they are? <laughs> that we take him at his word. If his word says it, then that settles it. You mean you believe God can protect you? Yes, I do. You mean you believe God that, that he's gonna save your kids? Yes, I do. 
You mean you believe God can heal cancer even though you've seen people die of cancer? Yes, I do. You mean you believe that God is gonna, is able to turn some stuff around? Yes, I do. Let's not lose our faith. I understand we've walked through a crazy season. Been a lot of fear, been a lot of doubt. Maybe we thought we understood faith and we've been walking through a season that it's tested our level of faith, but we need to redig the well of our faith. Get the fear out, get the doubt out, get the junk out. If you'll stand with me, I need to close. <laughs> I love that, that Isaac, he didn't allow the enemy to take his inheritance. There's some inheritance in this room. Maybe some of you aren't even fully aware of the full inheritance that, that is up for, your, for the taking for you. But there's an inheritance. Don't allow the enemy to steal your inheritance and what others have fought for you to stand in. Come on, as a spiritual mama of the house, I've been digging some wells for y'all, amen. <laughs> you say, I don't have a mama that did that for me. Well, guess what? I stand in proxy. Join my family tree. Join the, this whole, we're, listen, we're all one family, amen. Isaac didn't allow the enemy to take his inheritance, but he reopened the old wells. He dug the wells that his father paid a great price for. We got to redig those wells. I hope I'm getting that into your spirit tonight. Redig those wells. Reopen those wells. Get your shovel ready. Get your shovel ready. Father, tonight, I pray over every woman. I pray over every daughter in this place, God. Father, there's some rich heritage in this room tonight. There's some callings that have been on families for generations that maybe for one reason or another that nobody's in that family has ever really grabbed a hold of that calling and ever really stepped into that, but the calling is there. And Lord, I thank you for a group of women in this place that say we have our shovel ready. And we're gonna claim everything that it belongs to us. We're going to receive everything that belongs to us in this season. Lord, I thank you that there's some that are redigging some wells tonight. And I just want, I just feel like we're supposed to do this. Just take a minute. And I just want us to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us tonight. Ask him, Father, what do I need? need to redig? What are some wells that I need to reopen? For some, we need to ask God, what do I need to do? Where do I need to dig a little bit deeper in? In this next season of my life, God, where do I need to dig a little deeper? For some of you, your well's been so, the enemy's thrown so much dirt in your well, that life-giving flow where it used to just flow. The water just flowed and it was clean and it was pure. 
And you could take a drink of that water and it was so refreshing and you will never, that word says you'll never thirst again, that water, that pure living water. But the enemy has thrown so much dirt in your well and you need to dig a little deeper and get the sin out, get the junk out, get the things up that have been clogging your well. So I don't know which one of those three you were tonight, but I really believe that the Spirit has been speaking to some of you tonight on that. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestenid.com connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestenid.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.